Jay. You're going to come out for any of these, what, let's just call it four games, four games against the Braves. Uh, you, you, you going to come out for any of these? I will be out there. All I right. will not use, I will tell you, I will not use my Sunday tickets in the past. I have dumped my Sunday, September tickets early in the season, used them as trade bait, whatever, because I just figured I'd watch the NFL. This year, I actually held on to them, thinking that if the Sunday game Damn. mattered, I, would, I wouldn't watch Tom Brady against Matthew Stafford on Sunday afternoon. But I think I'll watch Tom Brady against Matthew Stafford on Sunday afternoon. Padres could be uh, eliminated by then. Um, they we'll could be eliminated. Down. Yeah. Yeah, they could be eliminated as early as about 2 o'clock or 2.30 Saturday afternoon. If the Cardinals win twice today and once tomorrow, which would extend their winning streak to, what, 87, I believe? <laughs> uh, but it would be 15. It would be 15. Um, so if they were to do that and if the Padres – were to lose both games tonight, that would be it. So you can go from there. It could be, I mean, I guess the Padres could be alive as as late as next week. Yeah, so if people did the math while Jay was talking there, then what that is is any combination of five Cardinals wins or Padres losses. Correct. So that means if the Padres were to, you know, hold on in this game that starts at 510 today as we tape this on uh, Friday morning, they were to hold on and win that game that they lead five to four, then, okay, puts it off until Sunday, right? Or, or no, it would put it off until the Padres were to lose again on Saturday. Um, you know, just keep if going until... Keep, if, right, if the Cardinals keep winning, right. if the Cardinals lose a game today and the Padres win a game today, that puts it off till Sunday. So there's all sorts of different... Are we doing uh, this, Jay, because it makes us still feel alive? Or are we doing this <laughs> just because it's there? Um, because I... I as I broke it down last night, the Cardinals would just have to, and this look, this isn't impossible, I guess, but the, the Cardinals would have to really go into the tank. The Reds, who cares? They're only a half game ahead. The Phillies are a game and a half ahead. Now the Phillies are actually trying to win the East against the exactly. Padres play over the weekend. So then right. the Braves could be in the wild card race. And it's just, uh, it's well, and the, and the Phillies and Braves play each other next week. I think they have three games uh, at the start of next week. Yeah. I saw that when I was looking it up, I know Zach Wheeler's lined up to pitch at least one of those games for. So, yeah, the Braves are only two games ahead of the Phillies right now, although it is three in the loss column. But the Braves are obviously facing a potential loss. You know, they have three innings to uh, to overcome a loss tonight. We should explain that for those who've forgotten. That was a game, I believe, in July in Atlanta where <sighs> the Padres had a had a big lead early. And then Reese Kinnear and Daniel Camarena gave up most of it. And uh, it's funny, two guys that aren't even on the roster right now. Or is Reese Kinnear on the roster? I can't Well, Reese Kinnear, who started this game on July 21st, that was suspended by rain because the Padres, uh, because Reese Kinnear and Daniel Camarena gave up so many runs. And, uh, you know, the Padres couldn't close this thing out because if it had gone to five full, then it would have just been called. But anyway, after a four-hour rain delay, we were allowed to go home and go on to Miami. Uh, But anyway, uh, Reese Kinnear started that game. He will be added to the roster as the 29th player tonight and start the 7-10 regularly scheduled game for the Padres. Oh, okay. So, in essence, he will be starting both games today. Both games of a doubleheader. The first game. Uh, That's great. He's Wilbur Wood. I didn't. Uh, I, I, I guess I missed that this morning. You're, yeah. you're breaking news for me right uh, <laughs> Right now. So that's uh, no, that'll be interesting. So he, he will not be involved in the decision in the first game, though, right? because he did not pitch long enough 
uh, in One that two game. What, it, what is interesting is that when the game ended or was suspended in Atlanta, that Tim Hill was on the mound. And um, Tim Hill very well, he, he did pitch yesterday, a, a very forgettable outing, um, giving up the three-run pinch at home run to Austin Slater. But he did not throw very many pitches yesterday, and it's he could – he could be the guy out there on the mound tonight, you know, continuing his his outing with you know sixty five days rest or whatever. So uh, it is, um, it, it is, is technically Tim Hill on the mound, though I suppose he could be replaced. Uh, sure, but, but yes, Tim Hill right now is the is the pitcher who's pitching for the Padres in this game. He has that he has been on the mound for the start of the bottom of the fifth or two months. <laughs> right, right. So there and we go. We John Peterson then, is up to bat. So okay. So they might as well keep him in, to, at least to face Peterson. Um, and um, I wonder if any three batter rule, I'd have to go back and look at the box, if the three batter rule, uh, how many guys he pitched to in that game. Um, if oh, that would darn apply, it, Jay, you're if, stumping me. I if think, that would apply. I think Tim Let me Hill see. had just, you you look it up. But if, So obviously if Tim Hill had come in just to start the fifth, and, and, and I forget, it was raining pretty hard at that point. No, he had um, pitched to um, – Okay. He had thrown two-thirds of an inning. Okay, so, so he, he had must... completed an inning, so Tim Hill could be removed. He could, be, yeah. But there is he... no Ross Detweiler, a lefty, uh, pitched uh, 16 pitches yesterday. I don't think he's coming back. So you probably do have Tim Hill in there to face Jock Peterson. Um, yeah, so there so you why go. Not? Why not? So there you go. And this Padres bullpen, which back in July you would say, oh, they've got this thing locked down. They just have to close out this game. <laughs> Well, now that's not necessarily the case. Um, if we're still being concerned about wins and losses with this team, uh, this is a, still a perilous position for the Padres. Uh, and, and clearly, Jay, look, out of respect to these guys, they are still concerned about wins and losses. They, of course. That was quite a game yesterday. Look, they scored yeah. four runs in the first, and then you thought, and as I, you know, as in many Padres games, I've got a couple different game stories working because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, at one point, I had written the part about how they only scored in one inning again because it looked like that's maybe what they were going to do. And then, you know, Trent Grisham and, and Hassan Kim back-to-back homers after the Padres had lost their early 4-0 lead. And, right. and then they won in 10 innings. I Hey, that's great. That That's impressive. Uh, as a matter of fact, over the last eight games, the Padres, I think, are hitting 310. And they have 10 home runs. Now, in the eight before that, they hit 178 with two home runs. But right. anyway. <laughs> but, it, I mean, but that's the thing is it, and I think, in a sense, and I was thinking about what, you know what we could talk about today, but one of it is, in a sense, that's that just adds to the frustration and the disappointment and and whatever else. I mean, I saw I saw a Bay Area writer tweet yesterday. You know, how could the Padres be in this position? They've got so much talent. Yeah, they have talent, but how much of that talent has performed? To the, is, is that talent overrated in a way? You know, I think in some senses it probably is. You know, maybe it looks a little better on paper than they than. Then they performed. Why didn't they perform well? We've talked about that, uh, you know, many, many, many times. Um, so I, I don't know, but it's it's one of those things where these last few games and and I, I got the sense I, I watched on TV Tuesday and Wednesday and and then I was out there yesterday. But it, I, I got the sense that there was a, a little bit different feeling that they were there was. A, and I don't want to say they were more alive because that sort of intimates that they were dead and flat and all those words that we hate because when teams don't play well, of course it looks like they're flat and not playing well. I don't think the Padres ever reached a point in this season where they weren't, you know, where the vast majority of them weren't trying to win. They just weren't 
playing very well and then they you know they weren't pitching well and and obviously they've had they've had injury issues on the on the staff i mean when when you lose blake snell you know who had been their best pitcher for set for uh several weeks and and chris paddock who had shown some signs i mean though no one likes to use injuries as an excuse and we're certainly not going to forgive the padres this season of disappointment just because some guys got hurt but those are losses i mean they they've had to start guys that shouldn't even be in the big leagues right now um, and weren't in the big leagues actually before they signed them. They've had to start guys like that, and and it's hard to expect too many good things to happen on on top of that. But there did seem like maybe they were a little a little more. There was a little more uh, feeling out there the last couple of yeah. days like playing against the Giants. And sure, it's the rivalry, and you've got the you know there are a lot of Giants fans there that I'm sure spurred on the Padres and all that sort of thing. But it it just like you said, they hit three, over 300 for this stretch of games where they didn't before. And it, it just all adds up to where was this before kind of, uh, you know, kind of thing. I, I was thinking about that. And, and this morning, like, you know, it's not impossible that these guys were to, would finish strong. I mean, I don't think so with the state of the starting staff, they're going to right. allow some runs they're playing. They conceivably could play only first place teams between now and the end of the season. If the Dodgers and, and uh, the Giants yeah, were to flip flop, right? Uh-huh. So, but regardless, they're playing three teams that are near, near or at the top of divisions and, and it's going to be, you know, tough to, to finish strong. Um, but I don't know. Does it lend credence to the fact that they were pressing? That's the number one theory probably of most people. And I mean, uh-huh. I don't know. That's inexcusable. I, I don't understand that that would be the case that that part of the Padres problems were, were pressing. Look, yesterday, geez, Jace Tingler said something that does make a lot of sense. But the fact is they haven't had this guy for, a, for most of the season, really, or the majority of the season. Drew Pomerantz not being available and he was speaking recently since he went down in, in, in August um, that, that that really affected the bullpen. And I absolutely, because for most of the season, they had to make up for that. I, I just will not accept that these guys aren't burnt. Um, now that's, I, I'm not trying to make an excuse because there's a lot of bullpens that have been used a lot, but sure. this bullpen wasn't built to be used like this. Okay, and these guys aren't making mistakes. Talking to Emilio Pagan the other day about his struggles, and and he's like, you know, the good bullpens have, have thrown a lot of innings. Well, but this was a bunch of back end relievers. This was a bunch of guys who were supposed to go one inning, right? Or or maybe Craig Stammen two or three is what they were building him up to be this year. And and and, but the starting rotation at the beginning of the year kind of let them down. I think it's just been kind of a slow burn. And then by the time that they got to where they had to win. They just didn't have the horses. Um, so to me, the season was lost much earlier than than recently, though we can certainly look at, well, how in the world did they go get swept in St. Louis? And, you know, after winning two in San Francisco, we can look at that. To me, the season was lost by the time that you signed Jake Arrieta, basically. And then it certainly was lost when Blake Snell and Chris Paddock go down. This Hot Lava Padres podcast segment is brought to you by Jack Powell, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Located in Escondido and serving the San Diego community for over 60 years. Who has the best deals in the auto game? 
It's got to be Jack Powell Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, the auto all-stars. Right now, lease a new 2021 Ram 1500 Warlock Edition, Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo, or Jeep Renegade Latitude for only $198 a month or 0% APR and no payments for 90 days. Head to Jack Powell Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Escondido, San Diego, where we make shopping easy. Find these deals today during Jeep Adventure Days. Right, and and you can go back to you know we we've gone back to that period of time, um, over over and over again in August where, you know they were they were coming off a, a, a two two out of three against Arizona. They won the first two against Miami. They had won four in a row. They lost that Wednesday afternoon game against Miami, and you thought, okay, well that's you know that's fine. They still ended up with a four and two. Mm-hmm. a four and two homestand mm-hmm. and they were going to uh, a road trip to Arizona and Colorado. And that's where everything, you know, everything turned that week. And for, it's probably worth at some point we should go back and, and break down, like maybe even break down that week. Like what happened, you know, what happened that particular week? I mean, you Darvish pitched the first, I'm just looking right now, you Darvish pitched the first game in Phoenix on that, road trip the Padres scored two runs in the first inning and Darvish just got lit up in the third and the fourth inning and all of a sudden it's eight to two at that point it's like okay again it's one game but that's two straight blowouts um you know two straight blowouts that they had the next night they lost a close game they, they made a nice comeback late in the game at Arizona to tie it and then lost it in the bottom of the ninth um, Craig Stammen gave up a home run to Dalton Varsha. So, I mean, it, again, one game here. Darvish game goes here. on the IL. Right, it, right. So it all sort of adds up, and that's and some pitching injuries started adding up, and it, it just sort of snowballed. And then that's the point where nobody was able to yeah. – nobody was able to get them out of that slide. They came yeah. home, lost two out of three to the Phillies. They were lucky to win the one game against the Phillies. Let's face it, they almost had a perfect game thrown against them by uh by Aaron Nola uh that was a great win it was like oh well this is going to pick us up what a big win you know that was all nonsense the next day they fell out of the wild card right the next right and then they got swept by the Dodgers and again it all sort of tumbled downhill from from there so I I don't know where it was where it was actually lost but to me that week uh which turned into two weeks which turned into four weeks you know, which turned into 10 and 26, that's where everything collapsed. And it, and it's not because things collapsed right there. It was a things piled up and whatever the one last thing was that that collapsed and then nobody was able to fix it. When whether again, whether that's on Jace Tingler and his staff or it's on the, the leadership in the clubhouse or it's on the players themselves or we've talked about all that. All of it. There's a lot of blame to go around. But that's where it all fell apart was yes. in that stretch. Absolutely. That's where we saw it all fall apart. Let's Absolutely. That right. That's where we saw it manifest. And then yes. I go back to the things that we've talked about that, that have mm-hmm. written about and that all year they couldn't put it together. Like almost even when they were winning, it was yeah. these only very rare pockets of the season mm-hmm. where – Everything or even multiple things were working uh, t- together. You know, the the starting pitching, yes, they picked them up for a while. The bullpen picked up the team big time. The offense, but you couldn't get more than two or three guys together at a time doing really well. I want to go back and be like, man, you guys 
um, saved too many bullets. You know, remember how it was all about like making sure they were fresh for the stretch run and all that. Yep. But then I think, well, how could they do anything different? I mean, this was a strange season going from 60 to 162. You knew you were going to, you know, have a, uh, a challenge doing that. You did think you had a playoff team. There would be nothing more unforgivable than having burnt yourself out by the time you get to the middle of September. I, so I, I'm not really sure, like, and obviously I'll look into it, but like, I'm not really sure how they could have handled this season different, except, you know, play better. Right. And, and it's funny because we, we, you and I talked about that yesterday in the, in the press box about there was sort of this belief, arrogance, whatever you want to call it at the start of the season that, you know, whatever we do at the start of the year, we're going to play it like this because we want to be fresh toward the end. And I was thinking about it later after I was gone. And then when you were just talking now that, yeah, they did that. And maybe it was arrogance, but maybe it was also, like you said, what else could they do? Coming off of a of a weird season with only two months that they played last year, you know nobody had played a lot of games in two years. You can't just throw everybody out there every you know everybody wants to see the same lineup every single night. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with good. I mean, do the Dodgers go with the same lineup every night? Do the Giants? I mean, look at the Giants the last three days. You know, you never knew who I never knew who was playing and who was coming in and who was pinch hitting. All I know is every time they sent up a pinch hitter this year, I think he hit a home run. So let's go uh, over that seven, yesterday. 17, 17 pinch hit yes. home runs yesterday or this year for the Giants, which ties a major league record. Of course, that the Cardinals would hold. Let's go over that yesterday because you and I actually discussed it at the moment. And I got emails yep. today because, of course, everything is Jay Stingler's fault. Lamont Wade Jr., who has absolutely destroyed the Padres this year. It actually is, you know, for a guy who hasn't been around, is having a real nice year. They had a Lamont Wade Jr. t-shirt night when we were in San Francisco. Um, he's, de so, he's destroyed right-handed pitchers. He's destroyed right-handed pitchers. He's a left-handed batter. He destroys right-handed pitchers. He is due up. You Darvish is starting to fade a little bit. And so Jace Tingler does what I will say was the absolute predictable and right thing. Correct, Jay? I, Brings I in we, Tim both, Hill. we both said it at the time. At the time. Was the, that was the move to make right there because at that point and the way Darvish, I know he had just struck out Chris Bryant, but I think he struck him out on a pitch where he actually missed his location. By the way, a right-handed batter. Right-handed batter. <laughs> Wade was coming up, left-hander. They had two men on. I think there were two outs. Yes. Um, there was no, and I wrote back to someone on Twitter about this who said, why Why does Jay Stingler hate you, Darvish? Because that's two games in a row now where the bullpen has blown a game for him. How many but times still, did he let J J you, Darvish, pitch I know. and then but, something has happened? But I thought, like you said, and I'll let you go on, I thought that was absolutely the move to make in that situation. We said even it before knowing, Austin Slater came in. Absolutely. Even knowing that yep. you're not going to see Lamont Wade. In fact, I even turned to you right. and I said, I said, as soon as Tingler walked out of the dugout, Lamont Wade turned and walked from the on-deck circle back to the dugout. He knew, he knew he wasn't facing that pitcher in that situation. And the Padres knew it too. But at that point, they wanted – I have no argument with having Tim Hill face Austin Slater as opposed to Darvish facing Lamont Wade. And, without, there, and there it is, right there. And that is the, the truth. We've said it so many times. It was the right move. It didn't work out. You know Why? Because the Giants are not only really good, but they are just riding a rainbow right now, okay? <laughs> and Tim Hill didn't make a great pitch. 
that had zero to do. Jace Tingler knew exactly he's not as dumb as, you know, everyone thinks or many people think. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly who was going to come in and hit, and he liked the matchup. And and that's all there is to it. That is yeah, not Tim to say Hill. that he hasn't made bad moves, but of that course. one and several others for which he gets, you know, destroyed are are not do not make him a bad manager. No, I, he has done some things. I mean, obviously that 16-inning game, I, I don't know what he and the staff were doing in that game, but there were other moves that you could question. I, I would, There was no way I would question that move yesterday. Right. Tim Hill has to be better. I mean, that, that's like I, I always go back to, to Bruce Bochy, and you know, Bruce Bochy's a fantastic manager. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He won three World Series in five years. But did Bruce Bochy really win all those World Series? You know, the one World Series, he had Madison Bumgarner on his team, who was unhittable. So he put Madison Bumgarner in to pitch, I think ended up going five innings in relief that night. You know, what if Bumgarner hadn't pitched well? Bumgarner did pitch well. I mean, that's, you know, the manager can only, and this is what we've gone over over and over and over again, the manager and the coaches can only do so much. At some point, it comes down to your player has to be better than their player. And yep. in that situation yesterday, Austin Slater was better than Tim Hill. That doesn't make Gabe Kapler a genius. Doesn't make Jace Tingler a dunce. Both managers did exactly what they should have done in that situation. And in the case of the Giants, it worked out great. In the case of the Padres, it didn't. And, and let's just know. all let's just all wait and see what happens. Um, uh, in the playoffs, I'll still take the Dodgers in a series against the Giants uh, with mm-hmm. their pitching. But regardless, and my understanding is that they are they are on top of it. Their their GM is man as as good as it gets, and they're not going to be fooled by this season because they have good players who stayed healthy, who are veterans, um, and every pitcher they signed um, that they <laughs> said, okay, if this guy has a good year, we'll be okay, has had a good year. And, and that right. just doesn't happen, okay? Uh, let's see what happens and how great a manager Gabe Kapler is next year. That's, you know, if if they aren't getting 17 pinch hit home runs. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's – that's the thing about manager. Gabe Kapler was run out of Philly because everybody there said he was an idiot and he couldn't handle a pitching staff and he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. I think the Giants have won 99 games this year so far um, with Gabe Kapler managing them. Did Gabe Kapler suddenly become the smartest man in baseball? They were no. here earlier this year and their bullpen wasn't doing well. And I was like, this team's a disaster. I know that they're, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're hitting pretty well at that point. Right. They'd been getting, you know, Gossman and Descalfani had been on, you know, started the season well. And, and I'm like, but this bullpen and every move he made in a couple games when they were here, the Padres destroyed. I mean, right. Kapler was probably getting killed. Oh, terrible move. Why did you bring that guy in? Um, and, you know, we know we know what happened. Who has the best deals in the auto game? It's got to be Jack Powell, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, the Auto All Stars. Right now, lease a new 2021 Ram 1500 Warlock Edition, Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo, or Jeep Renegade Latitude for only 198 bucks a month, or zero percent APR and no payments for 90 days. Head to Jack Powell, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram in Escondido, San Diego, where we make shopping easy. Find these deals today during Jeep Adventure Days. And I'm not taking. And I, I want to say I'm not taking away from anything Gabe Kapler's done or any manager. No, 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 no. It's done because he's he's done a very good job. The question yes. is, how much do you ascribe to what the manager does, and how much to players? And I, I'm 
obviously made my feelings clear about this for years uh, about that. But Gabe Kapler deserves whatever accolades he mm -hmm. gets this year because his team has played very well. Now, if how much difference he made in them winning 99 games right now instead of 79 or 89 or whatever, there's no way for anybody to know that. That's the thing. His players have played very well. Would they have played very well if you had flopped Jace Tingler and Gabe Kapler this year? Would there be a I don't what is the difference in the standings right now? The 21 and a half games between those six or 77, would, yeah. Would there be that much difference between the teams if you change the managers? I don't know. So okay, so that goes me to my to my next point. And by the way, maybe what I should do, Jay, if I could stand to relive this season, is go back and watch every single game and sort of go like every one. All right, this is oh, Jace Tingler lost this one. Oh, Jace Tingler won no, this one. Do and still, do even if yourself. I did that, you could argue with me that no, he that wasn't a bad move. Oh no, that wasn't a good move. But anyway, yeah. to your point, would Gabe Kapler or anybody? Uh, you know, Moses, what, what, anybody, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Roosevelt, uh, would, would, would anybody have made a difference? Now, that is where if you want to get into Jace Tingler being a good manager, that's where we could have a debate where I would say, yeah, you can make some good points here. How did this team not get pulled out of its funk? How, right. how, how you know, pulling some strings here and there. My understanding is that that can be something that a manager does. As a matter of fact, it is the most important thing a manager does. Mm -hmm. And especially in this day and age when much is predetermined and much is groupthink. Uh, right. So right. Uh, that we can have that discussion. And, and exactly. I do believe that there is a, that, that Tingler's job status is, is all but determined probably in large part because of that. But, but in terms of uh, the, the, the bullpen management and look i think i wrote about it i referred to it earlier in the year a little bit um you know relievers are always going to have or a couple relievers are always going to have a little bit of problem with how certain things are done sure uh may, maybe i'm not saying he's perfect all we're saying is that that's not what uh jace tingler is being judged on right here is uh his his pitching management or his lineup management i mean the lineup thing i know that's still jarring to a lot of people they've used like the seventh most line uh different lineups in the national league meaning what i mean is there are six teams in the national league who have used more different lineups than the padres right and so you know right what five of them are contenders so yeah that's just how that's how the game you know look that's how the game is played today i mean i you know when i was growing up uh you know, the Dodgers and the Reds uh, in the 70s would roll out the same lineup every single day. You knew that, you know, Garvey and Lopes and Russell and Say were going to be in the infield. And and I think Jaeger and Ferguson were behind the plate and the three outfielders, you know, were, were always going to be the same guys. And the, the big red machine, you know, had had Rose and Foster and Concepcion and, or not, and Perez and Cesar Geronimo and and all those guys, Joe Morgan. Those you knew those guys were going to be. When we were kids, we could name every team starting lineup. Exactly, you yeah. couldn't do that now. But that's just <laughs> I can't name that's my not teams. that's not just in San Diego. That's you know that's everywhere. That's just how the game. What it did, what uh, that does played. show and though. Do, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say I was going to go back to the the point about the managers. I I think much more conversation, as you said, could be had about the problems that the Padres had in terms of a, a culture and not being able to get out of a funk and that sort of thing than in day-to-day -day strategical matchups that people look at all the time. To me, most of the time, 
that comes down to player versus player. And there's not a lot that you, you know, there's not a lot the manager can do. There was an instance in the game the other night, I mentioned to you, where the Padres had the bases loaded and nobody out. Kapler went to his bullpen. The Padres had Manny Machado and Tommy Pham, two veteran players coming up. Machado flailed at three sliders. Pham hit into a double play. The inning was over. You could have had Connie Mack managing well, the Padres at that moment or John McGraw or, you know, anybody you want. And it wouldn't have made any difference. Any Anybody could go up to Manny and say, hey, Manny, this guy's going to throw you sliders. Make sure you don't chase him. I don't think, you know, I don't think they coached him to swing at the sliders. You've yeah. got to leave. That's the players. And in that particular case, the players didn't come through. Um, you know, yesterday, Ross Detweiler, of all people, got out of a jam in the 10th inning. Um, and, and we could and, sit there all day and figure out how he did it, but he did it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still don't know. But he got out of a jam. The Padres got a, and then the Padres came through, uh, you know, with Hassan Kim had a nice bunt and Caratini hit one that for once wasn't directly at a fielder uh, in a key situation where the Padres seem to have do that a lot. And that was the game. They got a, they got a win. So uh, I, anyway, go, go back you know to what, what we've come full circle because as we wrap it up, this whole different lineups thing does point out one thing. They don't have Chris Taylor. Uh, you know, the, the Padres thought that they had the, the uh, depth to be able to do what they have tried to do, put people at different positions, different starting right. lineups. And it turns out they did it at least this year. You know, it's possible. They're just the opposite of the giants, right? And that Trent Grisham is what we saw last year. Uh, and, and he just didn't have a great year this year that Jerickson Profar second half is, is really more of the Jerickson Profar now uh, because that's what he did last year. It's possible that that's the case. I mean, I, with, with some guys that, Hey, look, it just didn't come together for them this year. It's also possible that they've overvalued some players, uh, and and this will be interesting. We don't have time. I'm looking at the clock, and we don't have time to get into it, but it is no, the time of year to look ahead and go, gosh, what do they do about it? Yeah, because that's the case, and I know you're going to look at this, but that's the case where, what do you, you know, is that on the manager? Is it on the coaches? Or is it on the front office that gave the manager and the coaches those players that maybe weren't as good as they thought they were? And Trent Grisham I talked about last time, you know, you look at his numbers, he hasn't been that great. Um, and and certainly not this year, and certainly not the way that he's that he's finished. And I think that's a guy, and we'll talk about this more when we get into breaking down the roster, but he's a fascinating case. What do you do with a guy like that? Is he your center fielder of the future or is he not? Because he has shown over the last two years, there are times where you think, oh, for sure he is. And Absolutely. then there are times where you think, oh no, he can't be he can't be an everyday center fielder, not on a winning, not on a team that has championship aspirations. Well, yeah, and I think that maybe is at worst is still to be determined. I think there's too right. many attributes of this guy that show that he is your center fielder, but you absolutely have a point about the this year. There was some pretty massive where he was just hole in that lineup. And and now, you know, whatever. I just defended moving people around, but I don't know about moving Trent from first to second to eighth to seventh to first to second to seventh to eighth. I don't know about all that. I don't know about sitting him against left-handers. Oh, but that's right. what happens when you bring in Adam Frazier. Um, and, you know, you've also got to fit uh, Jake Cronenworth and and, and uh, left-hander hitting uh, Eric Hosmer in. Um, so, uh, and that's, that's on it. the whole organization because yes. as we've said many times, the manager isn't sitting in the co- in the office writing out the lineup by himself anymore. So that's that's a he that's also something didn't, that 
Yeah. He also didn't call the uh, Pirates and say, you guys want to compete in Marcano? Because we would like to get another uh, left-handed hitting second baseman. Uh, right. So, all right. Everybody, it's uh, three plus two and a half innings. Probably extras in both of these tonight. Sure, um, I'll just get it out there. Uh, we didn't even the get to talk about Max Freed, the guy that was the number one pick of the Padres that they gave gave away for Justin Upton. He's coming back tonight as a, as a very good 27-year-old pitcher uh, that could have it would have been so fitting if he had eliminated them, but that can't happen right now. But anyway, Monday's we an will. off day, right, Kevin? It is an off day. And then the um, last then, road trip starts with, I think, Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer in L.A. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Max Fifth Scherzer time. again. Fifth time. All righty. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you.